So if you've been part of the church here, we've been going through this series and uh, we've kind of been looking at Jesus, which is a really good thing to do in church. Uh, we've been going through a series um, for, I guess we felt, we were reminded of the passage where Jesus says to Peter and his friends, who, who does everyone say I am? And they kind of say, some say you're John the Baptist, come, come back, or you're Elijah, you're one of the prophets, you're someone from the Old Testament. And then Jesus looks Peter in the eyes and says, who, who do you say I am? And that's kind of the, the sermon series for us, asking that question. Actually, who, who do we say Jesus is? Maybe when we think of Jesus, all sorts of images come to mind. And so we've been looking at Jesus from the Bible, looking at different parts of his characteristic, his, his nature. And um, tonight, it's a real joy that we're going to be looking at Jesus, the truth. And sometimes, um, I love it when you go to the supermarket and go shopping, and you get that whole, you know, bog off, buy one, get one free. I wasn't being rude, in case you didn't know what that meant. Um, and tonight, it feels a little bit like that, because um, we've got two for the price of one speaking tonight. We've got my lovely wife, Sarah, and Paul Wakeley's lovely wife, Sue. I- I- I'm not sure which one's free, um, but you get two of them tonight. And um, they're both beautiful women of God who have such wisdom and carry such truth. <laughs> I'm trying to recover ground now. But they are, they're wonderful, wonderful women who... Uh, we want to honour, and I'm really thankful that they've both been willing to speak tonight on, on Jesus' truth. So they're going to just share for a few minutes. So, Miles, um, I don't know who's coming first, but do you want to both come out? And Miles um, well, is just going to pray for you both. Thank you. Grace, would you like to come up? Thank you. One of the best demonstrations for a preach is somebody just telling a story. Thank you. Very short story. Um, Two Sundays ago, I think, someone had a word during the worship about someone with leg pain, upper leg pain. And um, I went and asked for prayer. I got prayed for. And then we had our events week, so I didn't do that much walking because I got the bus everywhere, saved time. So I kind of forgot about it. Um, And then again this week, kind of forgot about it, didn't really think about leg pain at all. I've had um, like flat feet for most of my life and it causes hip pain and all sorts. Um, I went to London on Friday and I was suddenly walking home for the station and I was like, oh gosh, I've walked miles and miles today and I could have gone on forever. Like I didn't have any pain at all. Um, and I guess really that's a massive encouragement. Like if God does say something, share it because I probably wouldn't have gone up for prayer um, unless someone had said that. So God clearly, clearly wanted to do something and he did. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, do I need this? I don't know. Yeah, I probably do. Sorry. <laughs> Might need those in a minute. Okay. Um, so tonight we're going to look at the process of liberation, freedom, in the light. Um, and our call to be people of truth, to journey and walk into um, truthful living, f- living full of truth and truthful thinking and chat around knowing him, our Lord Jesus, as truth in person, uh, not simply knowing truth as a should, as a thing we should be or should do, um, and to explain how we're going to go about it. So I was in a seminar a few weeks ago and um, someone made this profound statement. The church is the only sin-free organization in our country. You'll be pleased to know that there was a little bit of laughter in the room. Um, I was disturbed. Um, 
by the fact that this person thought that the church was an organization rather than an organism. If you think you're in an organization, perhaps you'd like to stop and breathe and remind yourself that you are a living thing. (laughs) Um, More shocking was the belief that there is absolutely no sin um, in church. So as we, I mean, it's an ideal, isn't it? It's an ideal that we want to aim for, but it's not real. So as we bring bits of ourselves, like um, flabby, squirming around flesh, (laughs) it's Mirandaism, um, we give up the stuff that doesn't help us on the altar, on the sacrificial altar. He nails it, and the bits that are left, the truth bits, can, can grow and be built on. Just say to yourself and everybody around you, he is the king of weight loss. Say it. He is the king of weight loss. It's going to be all right. Um, we're, we're on about lifting burdens off tonight. So I was cycling last week. I was cycling. I chose to cycle into town and I chose to buy a turkey which was frozen. And I chose to put it on my back to get home again. And it was very heavy. It was for 11 people. I can't explain that. But anyway, it was for 11 people. And um, I thought, I'm so cool on the way to town. I was like, I'm so cool. I'm so on this bike. I'm braking at the right times. My bell's going. People are getting out of the way. I am slick. I came back with the turkey on my back. And my bike came to a sudden stop as the wheel came off the tire um, because of the weight of the turkey, which hit me on the back of the head as the bike stopped. (laughs) I then had to stop and deflate a little um, and walk with my bike back home. You know, sometimes there are things that we choose, we carry, which may need us to kind of stop, Maybe we need to deflate a bit, adjust our mode, speed of transportation, find um, some, <clears throat> find home to take the burden off and reinflate again. Um, it's all good now. <laughs> um, the outworks, this, this outworks, sorry, what Jesus has died for. I'm going to put my glasses on. This is in large print and I've still got to wear glasses. Um, We can keep in mind the hope of heaven tonight and the more of heaven's way being outworked in us. He'll nail more truths and where there are heart-held lies, the reliable, solid truth, Jesus, will will come in. I was in the library. This is another trip to town. (laughs) I was in the library and um, I was trying to get some books out for the kids and the librarian says, Madame, you you have two status. You have a child status? He had a beautiful French accent. I might lose that in a minute. And you have an adult status on your card. This is not good, madam. We need to sort it out. a glitch here. So I said, well, they do say there's a child in all of us. Um, and he said, yes, yes, madam, they do say this. But, madam, you are not understanding. There are two, there are buckies here, and there cannot be two of you. So I said, um, well, you know. I have got another life which is going to go on forever and ever and ever and I do hold the hope of heaven in my heart. And I was laughing away and he was laughing and um, 
I just thought, oh gosh, it feels like the Holy Spirit's here right now. Um, so I'd just like to encourage you that um, he is around on the streets. There is new wine to be found um, in the most unlikely places. Anyway, so anyone born of God, we better get back to the point, haven't we, um, does not continue to sin. Here endeth the lesson, thanks be to God, not. But we know that the Bible also teaches that we have to confess our sins to one another. So what is John actually saying? Um, I asked my son to help me with this. He doesn't want to be named, but he's great. Sam. Um, When we come to friendship with Jesus, we don't carry on with the same intensity, our wrong choices and bad habits. The tendency is not towards dark, but it is to hunger for the light, for the right way. And we gain strength to carry it out. It means somehow, as we do the sheep in the fold thing, as we do the personal and the corporate fellowship with Jesus thing, the one another's, there's a change in heart. The more we learn and understand what pleases him, the more we desire to live this way. Because he loves us and he likes us and he's committed and passionate about our well-being. By the way, I have got loads of scriptures, but I'm not going to tell you all of them. So if anybody's got an issue with that, then come see me, because I have written them down like a good girl. Um, It's in degrees of glory that we're being changed. We gain strength to carry this through. Degrees. We can take heart if we've messed up and lost faith and confidence in some area and tried to do life our way if we've tried to control things rather than living by the Spirit and letting him be in control. It's a glitch in the system, but the eternal us, the child of God bit of us, is still there. And just as the librarian corrected my record, so God can do this for us. So first of all, we must live in the light, being real about our state, if we're going to make it right with him. So we need to gain perspective in his light. It says in the Psalms, in your light we see light. We don't see properly um, if we haven't got his light. So if I showed you a photo which was a negative, all the dark bits would be light and all the light bits would be dark. And God's kingdom is upside down. It means that what's wise in God's eyes isn't always wise in the world's eyes and vice versa. So we need light. Um, You know, example, keep your money for yourself. The higher you fly, the more significant you'll feel. Therefore, the more significant you'll be. Bloody, bloody, blah. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, but with the same poor result, same result, enter the Pharisee. They made up a lot of rules that were not part of the original law that they'd been given. If I show you a 5 by 10 photo of a nail brush, I know it's random, but there is a point, and it was magnified a hundred times, you're likely to, to not guess that it's a nail brush because the detail is so distracting. If I remove the affinity for detail and I show you that photograph as it is, you will see it as it really is. You'll see a bit of dirt, but you'll see it in perspective. Are you getting what I'm saying? Is it making sense? Um, So we're running to him. We think we're running to him, but we don't find him very close. 
because of our stifling self-reflections, we think are wrong and we need to wrong passion first, etc., etc. It's the making of false pride. It's almost glorying in how rubbish we are or missing the point because we're too busy attending to detail that doesn't need to be attended to. Um, it might be something like, um, oh, Lord, I, I know I haven't done my to-dos today, or it might be a generalization or a judgment of ourselves. It might be, oh, Lord, I know I'm not a very good husband, but self-esteem issues that come in negative self-talk, etc., habits, if not nicked in the bud, can manifest and, and dig hard. So these, these Pharisees, they were well hard, actually. Jesus' friends were done over by by them for snacking on corn in a field as they walked through and he was done for attending to sickness because it was the wrong day of the week it's not what God's like it's not what my God's like so there was a commotion about how to wash properly this is an elderism not a commandment it was tradition sometimes we think because it's PC it's politically correct it's right and if it's not, it's wrong. What about Jesus? He was chatting to the wrong gender, the wrong race at the well. These days, probably the opposite. Extreme. PC. Women's activists. Sometimes at the expense, sometimes, of an overlooked man or men, their well-being. Sometimes at the expense of our respect for one another as women. If we're the compare.com types, anybody compare.com? I have. Have I compared up or down? I didn't want us to do either. <laughs> um, sometimes it's right to be into women being active. Sue and I wouldn't be standing tonight if we didn't believe that we were um, gifted and capable as women. So how do we discern? Holy Spirit. PC, without the HS of the Holy Spirit, I have learnt, is only irritating. <laughs> Somebody got it. Also, number two, we, we must always attend to the wrongness in our lives in the light of our standing in him. So, in your light, we see light. If you really believe Jesus and all he says he's done, it's finished. It's finished on the discussion as to your eternal security. It's finished on the discussion as to the Father's smile on you now. Okay, so this is a bit of a repeat from last week. So you, can you help me, please? So if you sit, if you sit actually, let's go up on here. Sorry, I know you're introvert, but we'll have to go on stage. Is that all right? You just sit in that way. Can you hold the line? Okay. So the psalmist, 16, Psalm 16, 7 and 8. You are seated at my right hand. Who is Jesus? This is us. I'm Father. Sue's right hand is here, and I'm here. And the lamb, the sheep, us, is right there too. Who saw that? Who saw that? 
Oh, nobody. Are we all blind tonight? We all saw it, didn't we? Yeah? Who heard me? Peter. Yeah. Everybody must have heard me then. So, at the end of the message, um, which isn't there, but uh, it, my passage, it addresses children, not babies. Babies cannot focus properly. They can't focus until they're six months old. They can't see across a room. They can't respond properly to their name or say mama or dada until they're about a year old. So those of you here who are born again, believe that you can see in his light. He knows your name and he calls you by it, hidden in Christ. You are his, Father God's perfect one. You are his delight. You are his child of light. You are a confident one. And you can call him Father God, Papa, Daddy, whatever you prefer in your prayer. To the not so sure, I'm guessing that you can feel the the mummy hen, the mama hen bit of God gathering you tonight to himself. And, and there's a call tonight to make it right with him. Make it right with him. The reason it's written at the end of this passage, keep yourself from idols, idols being an object of worship or dependency that isn't Father God, is because at some point God knew as he wrote and breathed the scripture that we would need to hear it, that we would be tempted or because we might fall. And it's no surprise to him. He's like an unshockable counsellor that you can tell everything to in the room. And he just keeps sitting in the chair. And when he wrote it, he called us dear. I'm just trying to get my head around the the fact that knowing (laughs) he still said dear, dear children when he wrote that and Jenny was saying earlier in the series Jesus is like a lover he is for us he's so kind he is so loving of us when we mess up he is ready to attend um, as we work on the floors with him the football coach that Sam has is a a Portuguese guy be the first to say I'm Portuguese I'm very emotional you know and he goes press 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 and he does this when the guys are losing. And I said to somebody, I said, what's she on about? Press, press, press. You know, we're nearly done here. And she says, oh, anything can happen. She was, <laughs> she was as well, very emotional, foreign lady. And she said, anything can happen. The tables can turn. And he's saying, press, press, keep going. Put pressure on the opposing team. Put pressure on them. Don't give up. Put pressure on them because anything can happen at this point in the game. It's so true when you watch a football game, isn't it? You can end up winning. It's fab. It's my conviction that the process of liberation of our state is much quicker um, when we're open to the Holy Spirit. He is breath. He is air. He's the oxygen required for growth of a living thing. He's the, he's the fizz as we make lemonade from lemons. So, I mean that when we've had bitter things dealt to us, when, we've, when life's given us lemons, 
There's a flat lemonade that you can make, and there's a fizzy lemonade that you can make. And his, his air, his ruach, his spirit breathes and helps us find treasure out of darkness to be uncovered in our lives and helps us find treasures of people to be found as we go out from here, built up and more confident of our truth teller of Jesus. Those of us who've had hateful, self-loathing, diminishing thoughts towards one another or ourself um, are no less guilty than someone who is a murderer, convicted murderer, or a person across the room with a scar on their wrist because they've hurt themselves deliberately or pulled patches out of their hair. It's as urgent if it's in your heart as if you'd acted on it. And now I'm going to hand over to my wonderful friend. Thank you, Sarah. Wow, it's a privilege to and to share a little bit of my journey with you. Jesus is the truth. Sarah took the first passage we had, and I'm looking at the second passage, John 14. I love this passage. I love several of these chapters in John's Gospel, especially 14, 15, 16, because there's an interesting interaction between the disciples and Jesus. Jesus is, this is the evening where he is going to be betrayed and he has so much to say to them and you get the humanity and the lack of real understanding of the disciples even at this point, you know, and they come in with these questions. And um, here we have two, one from Thomas and then from Philip. Jesus says, uh, is saying, um, sorry, I'm going to to prepare a place for you and I will come back and take you to be with me so you may know where I am and you know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas says, we don't know where you're going, so how can we possibly know the way? And then we get this extraordinary verse from Jesus where he says, verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And I have to confess, and it's probably so in your Bible, that paragraph is actually headed, Jesus explained, Jesus, the way to the Father. And um, I often miss the next bit, Jesus is claiming, I am the truth. And so this little, just doing this, little bit of preparation for this evening has really been a challenge to me to understand what he's meaning but also um, to get something for it for myself, first and foremost, and then something to share. So Jesus said, I am the truth. But he doesn't qualify it, I am the truth, because he just claims, I am the truth. And you either accept that he is the truth, no uh, deceit, nothing, uh, no lie within him, or you don't accept it. Jesus says, I am the truth. And I'm also the way to the Father, and the Father, and he goes on to explain, the Father is in me, and I am in, in, I am in him. So everything about Jesus is what the Father is like. The Father is truth. 
On the other hand, in the, the first passage we read, the evil one, the world, is in the control of the evil one. And Jesus, earlier in the Gospel of John, explains to the Pharisees and the Jews that the evil one is a liar. A liar. There is no truth in him. John chapter 8. No truth in him at all. In fact, he says, lying is his native language. So, on the one hand, we have Jesus who claims to be the truth. And on the other hand, we have the evil one who is the liar and speaks lies. And I just want to share a little bit of my own story because, um, you see, the way the evil one gets in and lies in one way is when often when we're hurt or damaged or um, uh, things happen to us in our lives along the way, and especially in our formative years, we come to believe things about ourselves which are in fact not in line with the truth of what Jesus says. So can I just share a little bit of my own story, make myself a bit vulnerable, maybe I'm the only one, but just see um, see if you can identify with anything. Um, I grew up in a a loving home, I knew my parents loved me, but um, there was a lot of negative talk and a lot of criticism growing up. I think my parents had high expectations academically for me. I was fortunate to go to a particular school, even here in Bath. I've lived all my life in Bath. Um, and, um, but on the other hand, I grew up over the years with an increasing sense that I wasn't really good enough. Somehow I was um, inadequate, particularly when it came to school and being able to do things at school and in as um, so I think in my teenage years I can remember when I got to um, O levels in those days it wasn't GCSEs it was before GCSEs feeling well if I fail them all then it's not going to matter in 20 years time that was my way of coping because I really felt inside quite a failure and The trouble with a lie like that, it affects, it diminishes who you are. It stops you from taking risks. It stops you from being, um, from how you see and relate to other people. People react differently to different lies inside. And also it affected the way I saw God. See, I saw God in the same way that I, I thought God, um, I, I, somehow I couldn't please him because I wasn't good enough. And even in the church, I began to feel um, that somehow I was always at the bottom of the class and not able. I somehow didn't get the new bit of teaching that was coming or um, whatever it was, that somehow by the time I caught up and understood what was coming, Everybody moved up a class. You know, ever had that kind of feeling really at the bottom of the class? So, um, that was, that's a wee little bit of my story. It affected 
It affected me at school. It affected me in my uh, 20s. It affected me even the way I mothered my children, I have to say. I am a failure. And I can look back now and identify it. Although it was hard at the time, I wouldn't say that I felt I am a failure. I probably struggled with insecurities and feelings of inadequacy, but I always tried to hide them. Depending on your own um, circumstances, your own upbringing, um, you may have formed different beliefs about yourself. We'd call them beliefs rather than lies. But they're beliefs that don't line up with what God says. Jesus is the truth, remember, and he's come to set us free from the lies of the evil one, where the evil one has had a foothold into our lives to cause us to believe things about ourselves that aren't in line with the truth from heaven. If you hold to my teaching, Jesus said, you are really my disciples. And the truth will set you free. So there's a freedom in him. Jesus, who is the truth, there's a freedom in him that he wants to bring to each one of us truly, truly a freedom. It may be, you know, for years I lived with this lie and some other lies that sort of attached themselves to it. But there's a freedom which I only discovered probably to... Uh, much later on in my life, a freedom that is a genuine freedom. We sang tonight, there's no lie he won't tear down. There's no lie he won't tear down. So, Paul says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. And that's such good news. How do we demolish these lies? What do we do? And I just want to suggest to you there are two weapons or two keys that have been effective in my own life for demolishing that particular lie. Um, and the first one is repentance. And that's not a heavy, heavy word. Repentance is a turning away, a turning around. Instead of agreeing with the lie, it's turning and confessing and saying, Father, I'm sorry, I believe this lie. It doesn't line up with what you say. It's not part of the truth. I'm repenting of it and turning away from it. Really key, but very straightforward part of Jesus' teaching, isn't it? If you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples and the truth will set you free. Okay, so that's easy to remember. Repentance. Second one, Forgiveness. So you might say, what's that got to do with um, believing lies? Well, I, this for me was probably the most key because I realized that I had to forgive those who had caused that lie to take root in my life. And forgiveness is very powerful because it is the, one of the most freeing things that we can do. And Jesus said we need to forgive keep forgiving until you've really forgiven I had to, um, 
It may be that you need even to forgive yourself because you've messed up and that's caused some lie to take hold inside your heart. Maybe it's a teacher at school as you're growing up, somebody who said something very negative to you. You need to forgive your parents, whoever, whatever, whoever it is, but it's very freeing. So the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but the, these weapons are powerful in demolishing strongholds. And then we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. I don't think I'm the only one, but because I've talked to others. I do believe, I, but I've made myself vulnerable. Maybe I think there are all kinds of lies that we can believe about ourselves or ungodly beliefs. Have you ever thought to yourself, if they really knew me, they would reject me. If they really knew me, they wouldn't like me. So I have to put up a mask. God loves others more than me. Ever thought that? I can never please God. I am the problem. When something goes wrong, it's always my fault. I'm not worthy to receive anything from God. I don't have a voice. Nobody listens to me. There are all kinds of lies and you can maybe just in, as I'm talking, you're thinking of something that's personal to you. Um, for me, what was something that was very liberating is to realize that Jesus was totally free because he didn't accept any praise from man. It didn't cross, it didn't, it didn't matter to him what people's opinion of him was. That is extremely liberating when you think about it. He says, I accept praise from no one. But what I find is more extraordinary is that Jesus says, I, don't, I, um, I do nothing except what the Father, what I see the Father doing. And so I think that these that's very liberating, isn't it? It's very liberating. Um, I don't have to do anything unless it's something that I feel that God is giving me to do. And I'm not standing here. I just feel I'm stand, only standing here, not because I feel I have an ability to speak, but because Jesus has done something very real in my own heart in setting me free from this deep sense of failure and trying to keep hidden so that um, nobody can find the real me. So that's what I want to leave you with. At the beginning of the passage, Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust 
in God, trust also in me. And you know, we have this amazing father, which Sarah was talking about. This amazing father who's full of compassion, full of love. And we, spoke, we sang about it this evening, the reckless love of God. The reckless love of God. We don't deserve it. It's all by his grace. And, but the, the extraordinary thing, which in my discovery of allowing him to father me through these um, ungodly beliefs that I've held in my heart and letting him speak the truth to me, and that's what I, I've missed out, is we need to f- listen to him individually, personally, and listen to the Holy Spirit. What is the truth? What is the that counteracts that ungodly belief, that lie that I've held in my heart. What are you saying to me personally, Father? What is there in the scripture? I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, the psalmist said. We are God's workmanship. Beautiful thing. This Father of compassion. And I say it every time I speak somewhere. Sorry, I've nearly finished. Just to finish with this. Way back when Moses went up the mountain and asked God to show him his goodness, the very first word God used to describe himself was God, the compassionate, compassionate and gracious God. And that gives me great encouragement to be able to come to him when I feel I've let him down, when I feel I've failed, when I feel I've messed up. He's compassionate. We heard it this evening from Tim. This father whose arms are wide open, and it's not just when we come and receive him as Lord and Savior when we get saved, but it's day after day after day after day. When we I grew up thinking that now I'm a Christian, I have to please God in some way and have to work hard and have to... But that is not the kind of father we have. So I just encourage you to take some time to uh, think of what is it that's holding me back, that's keeping me trapped, that's imprisoning me, that's not letting me be the free, kind of liberated person that that Jesus... And it's it's calling me to be. Repent. Forgive those that have caused that lie to come in, that ungodly belief. And spend some time with the Holy Spirit and confess the truth of what he says personally to you in your heart. So that's how I'd like to leave with you tonight. So we're going to close by bringing the band up. And I'd just like to spend a few moments praying. I was um, struck by that image of carrying a turkey on your back. She was literally struck by the turkey on her back. Um, But I wonder how many of us, and I suspect it's all of us, carry turkeys on our back. It's the lie that we hear in the morning when we wake up. Today's going to be another rubbish day. It's the lie that we speak over ourselves when we look in the mirror. Wow, you look a real mess today. It's the lie that we worry about in the middle of the night when we worry about our tomorrow or our future. I'm never going to amount to much. It's the lie that comes up and sneaks up on us when we're in a room of loads of people 
and we hear the voice that says, no one's going to want to talk to you. We all carry turkeys about our tomorrows or about our futures or about our past. Well, if, if they knew what you had done, no one would want to know you. Call yourself a Christian? All those lies, we carry these turkeys and we put more and more sometimes in the rucksack on our back and we wonder why we get weighed down and the Father shouts from heaven, that's not what I want you to carry. Jesus said, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. And we need to hear the truth. The truth will set you free. The truth is, as Sue said, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's not up for negotiation. You might not feel fearfully and wonderfully made, but you are. For some of you that really struggle with that, I'd encourage you to write it on a piece of paper and stick it on your mirror. And every time you're brushing your teeth in the morning, you can say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Because it's truth. And you know the truth, and truth will set you free. There's a beautiful verse in Zephaniah that says that the, the Father rejoices over you with singing. Can you imagine that? When you go to bed at night, he's singing over you. I remember my children, my beautiful children, and I, I, I used to sing over them sometimes, which I think was nice for them, I'm not sure. But the Father, the God of all creation, knows you and sings over you. It's a love song because he's a father who loves his children. And when you worry about your tomorrow or your future or your relationships or, 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 or the finances, and the father says, I've got plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What do we listen to? The lies, the internal dialogue, which is self-destructive, or do we listen to the voice of hope and love and grace and mercy and peace and healing and power and glory? It's a much better voice to listen to. So just, let's just be still. Let's close our eyes for a moment. And as we draw to a close in the next few minutes, we're just going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into us. Lord, we recognize that there are lies in our hearts that we listen to day by day. Some of those lies have been articulated by other people. Lord, many of us here, perhaps our teachers who have said, you're not going to achieve much. Don't have too many aspirations because I don't see you going very far. Maybe some of us have, have had parents who have spoken to us and instead of encouragement, they've kind of pushed us down. Or friends or other people who should have lifted us up but caused us to stumble. And ultimately we listen to the lies of the enemy who hates us because we're simply made in the image of God. But Jesus, in your words are life and hope and healing and transformation. So Lord, would you take our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh, not so that we can simply feel great about ourselves, but in order that we can be healed to become the people that you want us to be, people of freedom who can go into the world and speak words of freedom and love and life and generosity and kindness, tenderness, compassion, who can speak truth in a world that so needs to hear truth. But Lord, we know it begins in our own hearts. So bring your words of truth and healing to us. We yield ourselves to you. We confess the lies that we've believed. Lord, we forgive those who have harmed us. Lord, help us to learn to forgive ourselves. And help us to 
to have ears to hear what you're saying to us, your words of life from your living word, your prophetic word that feeds our souls. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the way. You are the truth in you's life because you are life, the Prince of Life.